Welcome to this special edition of Catholic Family News, our special report. And I am very happy today to be joined by Father Francesco Giordano, who is joining me from Rome, Italy. Uh, I, it would take the whole program to uh, give you a full rundown of Father's extensive uh, um, history, uh, but he holds multiple degrees, uh, I guess the top of which is a, 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 doc, a doctorate in uh, theology and dogmatic theology from the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross, but he also has degrees from the Angelicum, multiple degrees from uh, uh, the University of Chicago, St. Louis. Uh, he is a, a priest uh, of Italy, is uh, from Italy and is a priest in Italy, but he spent uh, almost two decades, 18 years here in the United States. Uh, his degrees are really wide-ranging. Uh, he's a, a true Renaissance man in a good sense of the term Renaissance. Uh, he's uh, uh, degrees in, as I said, theology, but also uh, studied a great deal of history and uh, literature. So welcome to the program today, Father, and thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So before we get into our topic for today, which is transhumanism from a, an, and analyzed from a Catholic perspective, since, as I mentioned, you're joining us in Rome, uh, today is the, the end of November, Feast of St. Andrew. Um, we have a lot of reports from Europe on the COVID restrictions and lockdowns. Could you maybe just tell us a little bit what life in Italy and Rome is like at the moment? Well, yes, I mean, we do have restrictions in terms of curfews. And uh, it begins at 10 in the evening and then lasts until five in the morning or something of that sort. I don't, I don't know because I'm not around at five in the morning. But usually what happens is that at 10 a.m. I can be around, sometimes around 10. Like last night, I, I was uh, outside of Rome and I had to get back uh, from some pastoral activities. And I found myself stopped by the police, by the carabinieri. But given that I wear my collar, uh, they... You know, they're just, you know, they just wanted us to have an auto certificazione, uh. a certified text on your own. I mean, it's not as bad as they say it is, you know, it's like, um, there is, there is anxiety. There is, um, mm. but it's not just in Rome. It's all over Europe right now. I mean, that they, they just recently said that they would be uh, blocking traffic from region to region. Mm. Uh, and that uh, caused me personally some anxiety because, you know, I, my family's up north. I also have things going on in France and I can't go to France for last night. Last year I was there and for Christmas and now I can't go because of this. And so the moving around is difficult. I'm sure it's the same in the States. Um, probably, it's probably parallel to what you're going through. Uh, and, um, but you're, yeah. you're able to keep uh, offering Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, publicly at this point? Yes, yes, yes. Even in France, this is now being, this is happening more often. Um, there are bishops that are saying basically that um, there was an article just the other day from Bishop Ray in Toulon. He's in France, he said mm -hmm. that, uh, because this is a big problem in France more than it is in Italy. Yes. And he said that, um, that, well, what, I don't know if you know what happened in France. Basically, they blocked, and then people resisted, got upset, and then there were. Then Macron said, "Oh well, okay, we'll allow thirty people per mass." And but I mean, there's thirty people in a small chapel, thirty people in a cathedral. Uh, it's a big difference. Yes. It's a big difference. <laughs> yes. So yes. the bishops have answered, "Well, okay, we'll, we'll offer as many masses as possible to kind of comply." There was a great article that I read by a Frenchman um, who he read it outside of a demonstration. I can't remember right now where I read it, but it was, I think it was very well put, you know, that why they were resisting this. The thing is that to keep in mind, that's the difficulty here is you've got the virus on one hand and these issues with the virus, et cetera, which is a real issue. Last week I attended, I attended the funeral of the father of a friend of mine who was a priest and it was a, there were a lot, a lot of priests at the funeral um there was a lot going on it was a very beautiful funeral because it made us reflect on life it made us mm -hmm. understand what and i ended up preaching this weekend on, on for advent i said you know the dynamics of the christian life you see it in the palm in the catacombs you see the palm mm -hmm. that looks like it's it's an interest it's a it's a good christian symbol because on one end, the palm 
could be dead, but you're, and you're waving it on Palm Sunday. It's a dead palm, but it looks alive. Mm. So it's the life and death are, are inside a palm, basically. That's why it's a symbol. Because in Christianity, there's always, there's always the death and the life working together. In the same, and Palm Sunday introduces us to the Passion Week, which introduces us also to the end of the Passion Week, which is the resurrection. So you've got the death and the life going together. That's, that's interesting. And so when you go to a funeral, remember, we, remember that we don't believe in, we don't believe in necropoli, necropo, the necropolis. We believe, we believe in the cemetery, the mm. resting place. So uh, our faith helps us understand that even in death, death, won't, death doesn't have victory over life. Okay. So you see, so one end, yeah, there is real, real death going on in the sense that there's real people are dying, older people are dying, people with health problems are dying. Okay, and now then, then there's the other end, there's all the political and legal point of view that's separate, mm -hmm. moral point of view too. There's different, we make distinctions, right? The virus, and I'm not an expert on the virus and virologists themselves are debating the issue right now. All I am is I'm a priest. I'm an, I guess, I'm, if anything, I'm a, I guess I have to be an expert on theology. I have to be an expert on Christianity. And that's what I'm sharing with you right now. My experiences at a funeral and what that made me reflect on the importance of the unity among us. The family was united. Priests were united. Everyone was united. There was a lot of blessings that came from that funeral, mm. even though it was difficult. And there were tears and there were um, emotions in that. Okay. so. Uh, legally, or uh, that's another issue too. And so uh, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us that you, and the Prima Secunde question 91, law is divided into four parts, right? Yes. So this is legally, but also morally and theologically, I can speak a little bit too, in the sense that law is the eternal law, the... Um, the um, the natural law. No, 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 the eternal law, the, uh, excuse me, I'm, why am I blanking out right now? Uh, the eternal, the, the natural, the, the divine, the human, right? Yes. Well, there's the, there's, yes. a, there's the one between. There's the eternal, and then there's a natural, and there's a positive law. Yes. Um, and the, the one in between, the eternal and the natural, is the written law in the scripture, basically. Mm. So uh, it's basically the supernatural law. Then you have the... Um, natural law and then you have the positive law hmm. okay and so and that's where the that's where we're dealing with right now is positive law and uh, and and that also deals with um justice because if you want to understand law you have to understand the secunda secunde and the questions of justice you have to understand yes. the nature of justice and then you have to understand the nature of jur of of um uh, of prudence so it's jurisprudencia yes it's 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 ju uh, jurisprudence that prudence right. of law right prudence yes. of law yes right? um so and then that and then the morale morality enters in that in the in the idea of prudence and justice yes <laughs> and then what enters into this is liberty and freedom mm. now it's one thing to have freedom freedom is not a it's not an absolute freedom mm. is an, for us christians is the freedom to do the good. Yes. So once that starts to become impeded, then that's when, that's when we as priests can say something. So in France, I'm turn this going back to what it is, it's like, okay, we have to have, this is why the French bishops and the French people, a lot of people spoke out and said, no, we want, you know, we have to have the freedom to worship. We have to have the freedom to, uh, to do the good, the supernatural good, which yes. is above now, we don't want to be against the states, but the state also, what we're doing in church doesn't necessarily have to contradict the law, the positive law. Yes. Okay? So that's why, uh, that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. <laughs> I hope it makes sense what I'm saying, but. Oh, very much so. And a topic yeah. dear to my heart. So yes, no, I appreciate it. Yes, dear um, to my heart too. Yes. Because it's a, it's a, we, we have to give grace to people. And even at these times, especially yes. in these times. Especially, yes. People, yes. I mean, people, you know, this, this man who died, his, father, his son is a priest and gave him extreme unction. You know, he gave him the last rites and everything. I mean, you have a right to that also, you know. I mean, so the church is dealing with that. It's like dealing with how do we, 
how do we give people their uh, the the graces of the sacraments mm. uh, for eternal life? Yes. In this context, so that's that's what's being debated right now. I think. Yeah. Yes, very true. Well, I, and I should have mentioned, as we're mentioning life, that Father is also the director of Human Life International in Italy, uh, a really good organization that uh, fights for the recognition of the church's teaching in the, in the civil law. Um, but our specific topic today is uh, transhumanism. And this is a topic we introduced a few weeks ago and we got some questions on when we reported on the World Economic Forum and this uh, phenomenon they're pushing called the Great Reset, which has many, many dimensions. Uh, economic and others, but one element of it that we touched on briefly, and we got lots of our readers asking about, is the idea of transhumanism, because part of this great reset is supporting this agenda of transhumanism, and, and we obviously didn't have time to, to cover that a few weeks ago, as we were, we were looking at a, a broader story. So that's why I asked Father to join us, because I've been uh, told by a mutual friend of ours that he has spent a good amount of time studying from a Catholic theological perspective this phenomenon, and he can help us understand it. So Father, perhaps you could begin by explaining to our, our listeners, what is this thing called transhumanism? What, what, what is mm -hmm. this phenomenon? Well, first of all, there's a big name in this movement. It's a movement, mm -hmm. and the big name is Nick Bostrom from Oxford. Nick Bostrom. I'm just going to read from my notes here. Um, he, he's a strong proponent of this, and basically, this is the definition, that it's a relatively recent movement, but it's not as recent as you think. I'll, mm -hmm. that, I'll get into that. A relatively recent movement which promotes the use of biotechnology to help humans transcend our nature through material improvements. Okay, so promote it, the promotion of the use of biotechnology to help humans transcend our nature through material improvements, ultimately leading, ultimately leading to a new state of existence, which is dubbed post-human. So mm. that's, that's a definition that I would give it, okay? Um, and, and you, you mentioned yeah. sort of not new, uh, the thought that came to my mind is, at least as back as in the 50s or 40s, C.S. Lewis, in one of his fiction, fictional uh, scientific, uh, science fiction novels, uh, his last one, he sort of talks about this phenomenon of the, the people creating some kind of bio-human advanced uh, species. So at least he was yes. satirizing it and, and, and talking in, about it decades three, ago. In a trilogy. In yes, trilogy. in the trilogy. Yeah, yes. I remember that book. Yeah. Yes. Um, I can't remember the name of the book escapes me so on my shelf. Um, yes. Yeah, I talked about that book too <laughs> oh. uh, at one point. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's a very apropos text. Actually, yes. Decided. Uh, why is am I forgetting the title? Do you remember the title? Uh, what is it? It's I. You know what? I'm same thing. I. I, <laughs> I it's slipping no, my mind. I'm drawing a blank. But uh, but I know what you're talking about. Um. All right. Uh, so maybe from now that we have a kind of what it is. Um, it almost is sort of a, a new form of uh, Darwinian evolution in a certain yes, sense. Yes, there's a but, connection to evolution, yes. the end of evolution. It's the, it's the natural consequence of an extreme evolutionistic view that is materialistic in its nature. So it's the desire to, to transcend yourself mm. with a material vision of the self. So the problem is that essentially we don't look at hum humanity merely from a material point of view, okay? If you want to look at it merely from a material point of view, then okay, then it makes sense. But it's not just matter. Um, let me just try to give you uh, that, what I had prepared because I think this yes, sort of yes. Oh, oh I, I thought of the book, by the way, That Hideous Strength. That Hideous the, Strength, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Hideous, exactly. So there are these bioconservatives. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the ones that you would basically, that the, the transhumanists attack the bioconservatives because they want to conserve nature. Okay, so we'll get in this group, Francis Fukuyama is the big philosopher that comes across. Mm. However, he is opposed to it, but I don't think personally that it's enough of a good response because what they say is, Fukuyama says, that abuse of technology is the risk and that we should consider carefully what technologies we should deem plausible, permissible, mm -hmm. okay, he says. Okay, I think that what is, he's afraid, basically what Fukuyama is doing here, is he's afraid of tempering with human nature. But 
I would say that this um, does, lacks an ontological foundation of human nature. Okay? It's not, there. this is what we need to go back to, and I'll explain mm. more. Um, um, we don't think that the fruits of biomedical uh, research will fundamentally transform human nature. This is what I say. Therefore, creating a new species of persons so advanced that they are no longer human but post-human. Okay, so today we have, you know, this malleability of nature. This is the big problem. So you have, you know, well, you can change genders. You can change this. You can change that. You can change species. There's trans species and transgender, transhumanism. You see, they're all connected. There's trans issue of moving across. So the issue is an ontological issue. What is nature? And what is it that we're facing with nature? What is human life? What is human nature? That's my fundamental question. Okay, so I'm going to give you another input right now. I'm looking at young people, for instance, that are 20 years old. I'm, for, I'm in my 40s right now. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the next generation, 20, in their 20s, that are very different from me. <laughs> they open up themselves. They, 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 they communicate in a way that's very different from even the way I communicate. Because their generation raised in the, in the epoch of, of images. Hmm. So I'm raised on still in the, in the epoch of what's written and what's heard. So what's happening is that you have a reverse of the education process. The image comes before what the written in this epoch. And so that's, that's a problem. This is something that Sartori, a, uh, an Italian uh, writer from 1997, wrote a book called Homo Videns, where he criticizes this. He says, we're not just Homo Videns, we're Homo Sapiens. We, there's, a, okay, so that's the order of things. There's an order, okay? I'm saying this for a reason. Because we are, first we hear and we read, then we see the image and we interpret it according to the, what we've heard and read. And um, because we have what St. Thomas says, discursive reasoning, the vision the Imago Dei, the vision that we will all have at the end. See, the, the Christian is not against the vision. It's not against homo videns. He's just saying that the order is homo sapiens, then homo videns. What we've got now is the reverse. So, why am I saying this? Because sometimes we get the idea that these youngsters are almost a different species because they're working from a different world. So we, we don't know how to work with them, but I work with them all the time and I realize they're not a different species. They're human. They're human and they, they have essentially the same morality than we do. I, I'm sorry this sounds, sounds crazy, but it's, it's mm -hmm. like people ask me sometimes, do these kids understand morality? You know, because sometimes they cross boundaries with the images that we would never do. So there's something strange in all this you know so there is actually a change going on in the generations right now but that doesn't mean that that's that that there is that that the nature has changed and that's the role of the priest a role of a father dealing with a generation that's really influenced by things that are very different and we what we have to do is we have to educate ex ducere to teach people mm -hmm. young people this order of things and that's the role that's that's our role as as catholics as philosophers as theologians as guides as fathers to know first and foremost that there is a nature to us i i believe that and i act accordingly um let me let me go ahead and show you read you something else so the central claim essentially of transhumanism is that human beings ought to pursue the development application of technologies that will make it possible to increase human health span, extend our intellectual and physical capacities, give us increased control over our own mental states and moods. At first hand, this goes beyond merely stating that we can and should try to extend lifespans. This is the, to assert, that transhumanists essentially assert that the result of these projects will be the change in our human nature. So this is the key point. The key question is whether or not post-humanists, however, will constitute a new species. It's gonna seem like they will, but do they? 
This is the tricky question to answer when reading the trans, what transhumanists have to say. All that transhumanists seem to agree on is that human nature is fundamentally material. And thus, it's malleable and changeable, like you can change anything, anything material. Since ability and obligation to change human nature and even transcend it is the defining characteristic of human thought. Um, So, so I guess to contrast that with a yes. Catholic understanding, so they see human yeah. nature as purely material. So if we change the material, we change the nature. Yeah. Catholic understanding sees human nature as a composite, right, of material and spiritual. So they don't recognize that second part, for lack of a better word, of human nature. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, essentially, things have real natures, which are mm -hmm. um, determinate. They're determined, they have an end. So these people, these youngsters that, that act weird sometimes, that to me might seem like they act a little weird. Yes. If I believe in a human nature, I believe in transcendentals, I believe that they're looking for the truth, I believe that they're looking for what, for what is the one and the being and all that, you know, and beauty on top of it, even though that's, that's a content transcendental. But mm -hmm. they believe, they believe they want beauty, they want truth, they want that. They want peace of heart, they want what everyone... 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago wanted. It's the same thing. They're looking for the same things, and we know that, but they don't always know that. So we have to guide them, know where they're coming from, know where they, where they should be going, according to that nature. And that's what, that's, what, that's what a Catholic vision has to do, is that it's not so much uh, a different, like, okay, so when you're talking about nature, um, it's not so much... A difference of degree it's a difference of kind yes. so when I teach this class I'm like you know a chimp a chimp is not a human being okay it might look like one but I've never seen a chimp university <laughs> you're right a chimp is not sort of almost a human being or kind of a, a weaker human being and you're you're it's a different kind. It's just very different yes yeah, it's not a difference yes. in degree it's a different yes. kind Yes. It's a different nature. Okay, then another concept that needs to be understood uh, from St. Thomas. And you never go from, the, from an imperfect to a perfect or more perfect. Mm. So you don't, so this is what, you know, an evolutionistic model would say, you know, that you move from something less perfect to something more perfect. Essentially, that's what it's saying. And so and what is the perfection? Well, it's defined by the nature. So... Mm. I don't believe that you can go from something less perfect to something more perfect because it doesn't work that way. So you got God, God made man perfectly. And then there was original sin that created all the problems. Mm. Uh, this is a theological point of view. So we were created perfectly in the image and likeness of God. Perfectly. Perficere. Complete. Mm. In rest. In that. Perfectly. Then that there was the problem of original sin that created all these problems then that's where the redemption comes in. That's where Christ's role comes in. That's where the, the, the mm. teaching role of incarnation, et cetera, et cetera, comes in. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess that's the first point, you know, that, that um, what is our idea of perfection? And so what is our idea of what we can do in terms of health? So I've got a problem with my eyes. It's not a 20-20 vision. I wear glasses to make it 20-20. I don't wear glasses. I mean, maybe I could have technology that helps me have eagle vision. You know, military operatives have, have instruments mm. that they add on that help them have vision that's beyond human at night. They need to have that to operate. And it's great. So, viva la tecnologia. I'm glad the technology works for this. But it, it, let us not forget the technology is an instrument. And it's an instrumental cause that needs to be used by a final cause, a formal cause. You understand? This is what we're talking about here. Hmm. We're talking about Aristotle. We're talking about the four, the four causes. We're not talking about just one cause. The problem is that today everything is, is reduced to... Um, to the uh, um, to, to the instrumental cause, mm. and we're forgetting the formal cause. We're forgetting the final cause, you know. 
and and we're just looking at the instrumental cause. We're not looking at you know at, at the four at the four causes. Um, so, so with that, when you mentioned creation, particularly, so maybe one way, if you could help us think about it from a theological perspective, because that was again very rooted in philosophy. Uh, if these transhumanists have an intention, their intention, as you stated, is to create a new species, some post-human species. What has the church taught us about? creation and the species in terms of who created species and um you know did did god give us authority to sort of do what he did and create new new species so so what, what's the all, theology the theology is the creatiox nihilo which goes back to and is confirmed by the council by the fourth lateran council twelve fifteen. Yes. very important because yes. and that's important because that council is important because that council points to the albigensian heresy it's another materialist heresy it's a gnostic heresy okay mm. so the creatrix nilo goes against the solve coagula of the alchemists okay mm. solve coagula of the alchemists is essentially the temptation of the devil the mm. temptation says solve coagula means uh to destroy and to and to reform mm. that's what you do with alchemist what an alchemist does is an alchemist will will take a bad metal and destroy it to reform it into gold. Right. Okay, that's what that's what the devil said to to Eve. Oh, I'll make you more. I'll make you, make you better than God. Solve coagula. That's that's the first temptation. Only God creates. That's the theological teaching, and this was repeated when also First Vatican Council, eighteen seventy one. After eighteen fifty nine, Origin of Species. There was a reason for that. So we have to link two councils, historically speaking, the Lateran Council and the and the first and the first and the, uh, the fourth Lateran Council and the first Vatican Council. And because in between you have you have evolution, you have Darwin, yes. but you also have you also have. Let us not forget Our Lady here. Our Lady in in Lourdes, eighteen fifty four. Our Lady appears. 1854, Our Lady appears, we just celebrated the, the Feast of the Miraculous Medal, 1830. Our Lady appears yes. in a time when there's positivism, and she says she points us towards the supernatural. And the church, and that's what that's what Lourdes does as well in 1854. That's what that's what you get also uh, in La Salette in 1846. So the Marian apparitions in France, the proved Marian apparitions of uh, you know, the Miraculous Medal, 1830, 1846, La Salette, 1854, Lourdes, point towards the supernatural. And the church, and, the, and if you look at the fathers, the, uh, excuse me, the popes, they're, the, they're all, in the 19th century, they're all pointing to this. Even 1832, Mirari with Gregory the Sixteenth, he's pointing to, 10 years after August Comte, Mirari is talking about um, the importance of the supernatural, importance of not reducing knowledge just to the natural. 1847 is the first time that you have the word scientist coming into perspective. Okay, well, in the English language, um, science is not just natural science. Science is, in Latin, if we go back to the roots, yes. cire, to know, and it's philosophy. So in the end, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with, a I'm always going back to philosophy, because you're dealing with a philosophical issue here, but there's a theological answer to a philosophical problem in the sense that what we're dealing with here, theologically speaking, is the possibility of a supernatural destroy the natural. It perfects it. It's a different degree but it works with what's natural why because the author is the same the author of nature is the same as the author of, of, of grace the author of nature is the author of the supernatural that's why the church is teaching this in the eight, in 1871 that's why the church goes back to say uh-uh creatio ex nihilo because the church is talking about a vision that's both natural and supernatural and so the church doesn't doesn't oppose change in the species necessarily i mean change in the sense of i mean <laughs> i don't know uh 
it doesn't I mean between generation to generation there there could be physical changes there are environmental changes that affect us i don't think we're the same people that our ancestors were just 100 years ago because of the environment we're living in so there are some changes but they're material changes fine but then what we're what the the christian message is more than just matter there's more there's the spiritual realm that's where our role comes in but uh, but we're not but at the same time you can't exclude christianity and say we have nothing to say about science excuse me no 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 Great scientists were priests. Great scientists, yes. you know, the, uni- the universities came from us. We, we formed the Western universities. Let's not forget this. University of Paris, there were priests teaching there. And founded the, the sciences. Founded the sciences. Yes. I mean, you go through a whole list of things. I mean, yes. So what I'm trying to say here is uh, we do have a role and a voice in the, scientific, in the science ourselves as priests and as church. So, so I guess, again, if we sort of reinforcing what you've established, so the transhumanists in their intention are flawed because their intention is to do something, as you've told us, the church has explained only God can do, which is to create a Yeah, they want, they yes. want, let me give you an explanation. Yes. So in the Summa, Prima Pars, question 97, I think it is, St. Thomas talks about the preternatural gifts. Mm. And he says, uh, the preternatural gifts are uh, Im- immortality, immutability, and integrity. Mm-hmm. Okay, immortality is a desire for the for 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 eternal for for immortality. We were mm-hmm. made immortal. We have a desire for uh, immutability. We don't want to. We don't. We don't want to have be sick. Mm-hmm. No. We have a desire for integrity. What's integrity? Integrity is the possibility for the reason for our reason to to balance our um our passions it's the possibility for reason to control our lower passions that was given up through original sin we lost the gift of integrity our lady has the gift of integrity because our lady is immaculate and that Mm -hmm. gets reinforced in 1854 yes so we go back to this. We go back to these preternatural gifts that were taken away from us. And what I teach my students is this also. The, um, the comic, the, the, not the comic, but the um, Marvel movies, the Marvel... <laughs> yes, <laughs> superheroes. Okay. Superman, yes. superhero. Those, that, what does that reflect? A desire for the immortal, Superman. Yes. A desire for the, for the preternatural gifts. A desire mm. for the immortal. For the impassable, Superman fights, and 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 the desire for integrity. Superman is an, is an integral figure. The problem is what that it's limited only to to a material worldview. Mm. Okay, but what it shows is that we really desire that Superman. But what we teach as Christians is that you won't get that Superman by matter alone. Mm. You're going to get that Superman by grace. And eternal life is not infinite life. Eternal life is a grade above. So what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the difference of kind. It's, this is what a theological point of view is. It's a different, grace is a difference of kind. It's not, I mean, the, the, the supernatural is a difference of kind. There's natural and supernatural, but there's a difference of kind. That's interesting because I've met, you know, some people in apologetics talking to someone that's not Christian says, well, you know, you, the afterlife sounds really boring to me because uh, when I just get tired of living a nice soft life, and again, that's exactly what you're hitting on. They're conceiving of eternal life as just more of natural life rather than being a different kind of life in and of itself. And this is where, yes. this is where we yes. need to come in and teach the yes. beauty of the supernatural. I'll I'll tell you something. C.S. Lewis, in one of his, I was reading some of his, I don't know, it was one of the meditations that he gave. He said, there's great literature. The great literature is always about the devil. We have so much imagination for those lower things. (laughs) For the lower things, he said. What about the imagination for higher things? This is where the analogia entis comes in, analogia fide. What about the imagination? What about turning our passions to something greater? Yes. But that can, that can be given to us by revelation. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave us a message that is 
<laughs> it's marvelous when you see yes. it, 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 when you when you live the Christian life, you start to live heaven now. If you live yes. the sacramental life, you live it now. That's that's why I, that's why I can go to a funeral. Yes, I'm sad that 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 man is dead, but he's in a cemetery. If I believe there's more to that man than that than that body. Mm. But that body is important. I'm not saying it's not. I respect the body. I'm not an Albigensian. I'm not, mm. I'm not, you know, I'm, I respect that body. But I respect also the other dimension, which is the, which is the soul. <laughs> and mm. the soul is the form. And, and you know, I mean, I could, we could sit here and talk philosophically about this. But, but what I love about what C.S. Lewis does in that is that he shows us that that we should be talking about heaven and heaven is not boring hell i tell you since we're finishing off the month of the dead essentially yes. the month right now we're finishing off the month of the uh, of the prayers for the dead masses for the dead yes uh we began the month however with the all saints day and all and then we the second day was all souls day okay mm. the second of november Okay. Um, uh, how do I I, I? I just lost my train of thought. But it's a month that that requires us to reflect on the afterlife, on life and death and the eternal. Yes. Um, it's a month that teaches us, you know, uh, to go beyond. But I just lost my train of thought. I wanted to say something particular. And, and I, oh, that's why. I'm sorry. We need to tell you. Need to get to this. So when I was reflecting on All Saints, I was reflecting on the way that we as a church work now. Okay, if we really believe that heaven begins now, and we touch it by contact with the sacraments, by contact with the Eucharist, by contact with confession, by contact with Jesus in the sacraments, if we believe this. That we're beginning now. And what do we notice? What, else? what do I notice? We're already beginning. We're already in contact with the communion of saints among us. Right now. Mm. You look at the lives of the saints. They're all friends. Look at the 16th century. St. Philip Neri, St. Ignatius. They all knew each other. They're all friends. Running around in Rome. In Turin, 19th century. Um, they all knew each other. St. John Bosco, St. Joseph Cafasso. They all, they're all friends. All the saints are friends. They all contribute to the to, to the to the to the togetherness of the church with their different charisms. Yes. A communion of saints. And guess what? It's fun. It's fun to work together. It is. It's fun to work together for a common cause, a common good. And that you know that it's an eternal common good. And it gives you sense. It directs you. It gives you a sense of life. It gives you a sense to what you're doing. It transcends these lower passions. I believe in something, and 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 I'm constantly doing this. I, I mean, I'm 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 with young believers all the time, and they are full of enthusiasm, and we work together on projects, whatever, helping each other. But it's not just a social. What is it? It's not an ONG. I don't know. What it's called in English. Uh, uh, it's not just a social organization. The church. Mm. It help. Yes. We help the poor. But we're, how do we help the poor? We help the poor by thinking there's more to this life than this. Than this, yes. If this is all that life is, it's boring. And what I said in my homily actually was, hell is a one-man show. And, screwed, and, and the great divorce by C.S. Lewis, going back mm, to C.S. Yes. Lewis, he shows that. When you have all these different people separated from each other, hell, a one-man show. Separated, divided. It's yes. not a communion of saints. The devils aren't, don't love each other. It's not a loving communion. Christianity is about loving each other, is about wanting the good of the other. It's about really wanting the good of the other. A higher good. Okay, yes. I'm not, I am not just body. I'm more than this. And that's what the transhumanists want. They also desire this. They desire something more. But the problem is they're limiting their language to just material language. Material. To positivism to scientism this is the problem limiting everything to 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 natural science 
There's much more to us than that. There's a spiritual desire. There's something more. And guess what? The church has an answer to that. Just go yes. read even, even, I mean, C.S. Lewis is not even Catholic. He was Anglo-Catholic. But he, he writes marvelously. Tolkien, he writes marvelously. Yes. This is the thing that I always teach is like, we need to have analogy. If you don't have analogy, yes. and you don't have this capacity, this literary capacity to transcend what you're living literally. So there's different senses to reading scripture too. The yes. fathers of the church teach us this. Um, Dulabak wrote a great book on all of this, on the, on the, on the, on the senses, you know, the, 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 the senses to reading scripture. You know, you have the literal sense, the anagogical sense, the, 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 um, which is the spiritual sense, which, which is the end, the spiritual sense, the literal sense, the, um, I'm sorry, why am I drawing a blank now? But there's the different senses to, to, to reading scripture. There's different senses to reading reality. Mm -hmm. And that gets me excited. When I, look at, when I look at the figure of Jesus, I'm just going to synthesize like this. I'm sorry, I'm giving you a theology lesson here. But, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, this is, when we look at Jesus, okay, look at the scripture. There's some that say that Jesus is, because there's, there's a level of, of intelligibility of Jesus. There's a level of intelligibility of the church. There's a level of intelligibility of reality. Mm. So you got some people, they see Jesus and they're like, oh, he's the carpenter's son. Mm. Is that right? Is he just the carpenter's son? No. Others say, well, no, he's a miracle worker. Great. I can go there and he'll heal my tumor. Others will say something even greater. He's the son of God. Yes. And those are the apostles. That's us too. We are, we are I'm not, I mean, we are following the successors of the apostles, the bishops. We are following the church. We are following what the apostles gave to us what they handed on to us. And that is that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And what does that mean? My point is, because it's a whole explanation to that, the divinity and, that, and the humanity of Christ. That's what theology is about. But the point is, there's levels of intelligibility. Jesus is, is the carpenter's son, but he's more than that. Jesus is a miracle worker, but he's more than that. Jesus is the son of God. And again, that's the same thing we're talking about. That the, the people who don't see clearly just see the material, the son yeah, of a carpenter. They're just limiting their exactly. knowledge. Exactly. Not that's going my up. Point. Yes. My exactly. point is don't limit your knowledge yes. to something just merely material. I have nothing, I have no problem with biotechnology. I have no problem with, with you know, helping us become, you know, uh, I mean, if I have a tumor, I, I want to get it cured. I don't want to mm -hmm. go in. No problem with that. The <laughs> but you know i'll go where i can as far as i can find even with technology but let not technology guide us yes let us not be slaves slaves of technology there's got to be a final end exactly exactly and that's the yes. point of this what is the nature of man what is the nature what is nature yes natio means to be born a certain way you're yes. born, and we are born according to the way God creates us. That's what nature means. It comes from the Latin natio. And the natura, natura comes from natio, to be born a certain way. And I'm born a certain way. I'm, I'm born, I'm born uh, a man, a boy. I'm, I'm mm. born a little baby boy, you know, I, I, a specific a human baby boy. I, I, that's what I came out as. I, I did not come out something else and then become something else. You know, uh, that's my so, point. So maybe it, to, to bring kind of our discussion uh, yeah. maybe to a point, uh, in the very beginning you talked about Catholic approach is to bring about distinctions, which uh, is very important uh, because there are, there are very important distinctions. And uh, we've already talked about that the goal of creating a new species is wrong. And you talked a little bit about perfection and imperfection. So maybe could you help us understand in the Catholic sense, uh, perfection, as St. Thomas would say, is the fullness of being. So to perfect is to become, to a greater degree, what we are. To have our what we what, how we act conform to 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 what we are. So perfection is uh, the the completion of what God created as our species, and and this is a good thing, right? That we're called to the life of, of perfection, right? Be you perfect as as your heavenly Father is. And could you maybe explain how that Catholic understanding is distinct from this false idea of perfection of the scientism and transhumanism? Uh, Catholic perfection is about beatitude. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's about happiness. Um, St. Thomas begins his moral treatise on happiness. It's about happiness. Mm. They're looking for happiness, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. They're <laughs> limiting. They're limiting happiness to matter. I mean, people that a person that wants to live forever. Okay, fine. That's a desire. Mm. We said that earlier. But you know, you go and you get yourself refrigerated so that you know when technology comes along, it'll. I, I will. Why? I mean, what? How can you limit our? It, it's just it's just a limited knowledge and you know what they have this is my my point is this actually they have the burden of proof the transhumanists Mm -hmm. you know prove to me why artificial intelligence too prove to me what artificial intelligence artificial intelligence is that is that even a right expression to call artificial intelligence artificial intelligence is not uh a computer can never intuit the way that I intuit. A computer, it's just a nominalistic sequence of things that comes to a certain answer. Fine. I mean, you're you right. Ar- artificial intelligence is an oxymoron, really. It's, it's an oxymoron. It, it is, yes, it's yes. An oxymoron. So what I'm saying, again, we're talking about different things here. Hmm. Intelligence and a computer. A computer, okay, fine. You can get, you get put an algorithm in it, and it'll give you that. But, I mean... The, <laughs> A computer cannot understand a beautiful sunrise and appreciate it. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have said. But I don't imagine that a computer can sit there and share a moment that's more than just an arithmetic answer. Mm. You see, this is what I'm trying to get at. It's like an openness to the mysterium, to the mystery, to an openness to knowing more. That's where the burden of proof for these people is. They, they have a mathematics. This is the problem with modern philosophy in general. It's got, it limits everything to mathematics. Descartes does that. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I'm simplifying everything, but <laughs> it's a simplistic, I know it's a simplistic vision, maybe, but it's a ma- the problem in today is that everything's about mathematics. Reality is not limited to mathematics. Reality is, lim- there's more to it than that. I cannot limit reality to numbers um they i they help me yes uh philosophy if you limit philosophy by numbers you limit philosophy philosophy this is what metaphysics is about Mm -hmm. metaphysics is to beyond to go beyond beyond the physics to not be beyond numbers beyond this I hope I'm explaining myself. I, I'm trying yes. to speak in a general way so I'm not too complicated for people. Yes. But I'm just saying, there are ways to connect that which is beyond, which is not nearly, this is what, what the transhumanists give us. Mm-hmm. It's what the Catholic Church gives us. And it's not something I can tell you in a one hour interview. Yes. It's something, it's a culture, it's a civilization created by, by God the Catholic Church, the Catholic civilization, which is called Christendom. Um, it, it's something that you can't sit around just talking about drinking some tea. But what we've got here, <laughs> this, is, this is the point. I mean, you can't sort of begin to talk about it. We're doing it right now. We're touching on, on the surface. Yes. But the point is, and this is what I, this is a deli- this is a very, it's my statement, basically. Transhumanism is like a religion, just like Catholicism, okay? You're dealing with a religion that because man by nature is religious and binds mm-hmm. himself to something that religio is to, re- to reread and to rebind. But what are we rereading and rebinding according mm-hmm. to what, what, what's our text? We're working off of two different hymn sheets, mm-hmm. okay? With the same desires, but with different instruments. And we're singing two different songs. And to, this, is the, this is the difference, okay? One is a cacophony, is creating a cacophony because it's going to be, it's a disaster. It's, it's the idea of the solve coagula, to think that we can become our own creators. No. It's a vision that doesn't believe in God, that believes that we are God. That's the problem. And I'm a priest and I can say that. Uh, and a Christian can say that. And it's true. And I declare that with faith. What I'm coming from is from faith. I have more faith. My faith gives me more certitude than because of the author of faith. This is what St. Thomas teaches. And the author of faith is the God who has revealed himself. The God, uh, the God of revelation 
has revealed to me and I believe him. And because it's him, I'm more certain of that than I am of the very fact that we're sitting here talking together. If this makes any sense. Yes. Well, excellent. Thank you, uh, Father. For And obviously there's much more we could talk about. Perhaps we can schedule another interview yes, on I'm some of these other topics. No, topic, it's... it's topic uh, I to synthesize. I'm sorry. Yes, no, it's, it, it is. Yeah. But I, I think uh, to... As we've talked about in our programs before, these the dangerous uh, ideas of these globalists, as such as the, the World Economic Forum, that sadly the presidential candidate Joe Biden would like to rebind us to, right? They want to transform everything. So you talk about they want to transform into socialism, essentially, the, 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 the society. But even on the very individual level, as Father's been explaining, they have disordered understandings of human nature and want to change us to again impossible to do but change us from something that god created into something of their own creation and as you heard father say the first transhumanist was the devil in his temptation uh to eve which i thought was a great great analogy so so thank you father for sharing that and again uh we certainly could explore some of these other topics another time um and if this has helped you maybe come to terms to see the errors and to reroot us in the truth of catholic truth about nature being we appreciate you listening please share this if you've benefited from it share it from uh from your accounts to your your friends acquaintances maybe someone said oh i've heard about this thing that's not that bad share this video with them and then they can learn a little bit about uh, about the topic and if you've enjoyed our free content as always uh please uh consider subscribing to our monthly newspaper you can subscribe online for e-edition e access for as little as 32 dollars a year and get the paper delivered to your your tablet uh, or you can subscribe to in addition to that have a, a physical newspaper delivered uh, to your home uh, that, so please consider supporting us in that way so again thank you thank you father for sharing your your many years of study and wisdom with us and uh we wish you a a a, a happy and fruitful advent as we we prepare here for christmas thank you thank you doctor thank you bye-bye